Today on Sexually Woke with Dr. Susan, I'm speaking with Christella McCall, one of the original gangsters of the Sexually Woke. She was one of the women I interviewed for my book, and she's here with us today to share her stories live. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Sexually Woke with me, Dr. Susan, and I am so excited to have a special friend of mine, Christella McCall, who is, I don't know how we originally met. This is going to be a fun story to tease out, but Christella is one of what I call the original gangsters of the Sexually Woke. She is one of the women who I interviewed for my book who taught me how to be sexually woke. And I'm so grateful to have you here today. I'm so excited to be here. You know, you're a dear friend of mine, but I know that this is a special, special, special honor to be here. Thank you so much. Well, so I was just thinking, how did you get this survey? So like back, you know, when I was writing this book, I sent out a survey to everybody and I got sent here and there through social media and all kinds of places. And somehow... Christelle answered the survey, and then she was found by my research team to meet all the criteria to be in the so-called sexually woke group. But how did you first get the survey? I got the survey via email. I am a patient of Dr. Gibson. I don't know. Oh, so she was another doctor in our practice. That makes sense. I never even knew that. Yes, and that's how I got the survey. I guess because once we started talking, it was it was over. Everything else just kind of snowballed into right. this beautiful friendship. So We just sort of forgot how did this even happen. <laughs> yes, so now yes. thank you for filling me in on that. So just a little bit about Christella. Well, so, you know, she's become my friend now after quite a few years of talking in depth. And um, she's quoted multiple times in the book. And I'll tell you a secret that only she and I know that she's quoted so many times that I had to <laughs> use two different names for her because we didn't want to have so many quotes from the same person. But yes. um, what we want to focus on today or what I wanted to focus on today was just starting with this this one story in the book, Sexually Woke. Out of all the hundreds of stories that I love so much, there's one that when I heard it, I felt, I don't know. I mean, I just, when you, we were talking live and I, we were talking, you know, recording this conversation when I was doing the interview. And when you told me the story, I think I stopped breathing for a moment. I was like, oh, holy shit. Like, yeah, this is, a, this is going to be in my book. And I want to yes. read this out. Please. Um, so we can remember. So this is her story. Christella said, my son asked my husband, can I buy flowers for my girlfriend like you do for mom? My husband said, if you wash the car, sure, I'll buy you some flowers for your girlfriend. So the day came for the date, and I was talking to the girl's mother about the flowers. Something struck me as odd. The mother said worriedly, well, if they break up, she's going to be spoiled and think all guys are supposed to treat her that way. I said, well, she's your daughter. Shouldn't you teach her that all guys are supposed to treat her that way? Here we are raising another generation of girls thinking that they're not good enough. Oh my gosh, can we just break the cycle? That's what I would tell other women. Set the example for your daughters. No, you will not treat me that way. If we don't, there's going to be another generation of women being mistreated, not sexually satisfied, and just not living to their best potential. Don't do that. And that was exactly verbatim what you said. Yeah. Yeah. And I remembered that day I was like, yes, like, I can't believe that happened. So why are we talking about this? Okay, um, 
it really comes down to worthiness. And we've talked about that a lot on this podcast. And Christella and I have talked a lot about this. And I'll share with you that you identify as a, I asked you this the other day, do you like to be called a black woman or a woman of color? You identify as a woman of color. A woman of color, please. Which I, I mean, think I is beautiful. I am a black woman, mm-hmm. but I have so many other nationalities. And, and right. So, and so yeah. I love the, the, the phrase woman of color. And I love that too, because we're going to get to this. Yeah, we'll you get have, to You that. have such an exciting background background of multiple colors. And it's, yes. fa- it's fantastic. Um, but what this brought up for me was so many different feelings of how not only are we all living in this not enoughness of our own unworthiness, but how we're passing it on to our children in the way in which you just said, no, I'm not going to do that. And particularly, and this is something that I know people might not want to hear, but I feel pretty certain as a woman of color or as a minority person uh, that that unworthiness is really ramped up to another level. And as a white woman, knowing I'm speaking from a position of white privilege and I don't know anything about this, I really want to know about this. I really want to know. So how does that work for you? It's a, it's, it's a challenge. It's like, remember, we talk about the song that you sing in your head that tells you all these awful things. The song that you you sing that is told to you, blue eyes, light skin, blonde hair. These are the images that flash in front of you when you see the media, when you see magazines, when you see um, um, uh, all the things that are in front of your face, whether it's social media or magazines or This is the song that is played. If you hear a song or a jingle on the radio for so long, you're going to learn the words to it. And this is what uh, women of color are faced with every day. This is what our children are faced with, our little girls, blonde hair, blue eyes, light skin. And we need to see more of ourselves portrayed on media or wherever we are in movies. The movie industry has always fought this where, well, they are now, black actresses are now really putting their foot down and starting to fight. For example, when uh, Meryl Streep is paid a certain amount and then they tell Viola Davis, she has this, you can look it up on social media where she says, uh, someone says, oh, you're the black Meryl Streep. And she says, well, then pay me like her. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Exactly. You're right. So we have all of these these images in front of us, and we're being taught this is what's beautiful, but I'm beautiful too. Sojourner Truth was, she fought for women's rights. However, only white women got the right to vote. But she, she helped by standing up and speaking and saying, ain't I a woman? Well, I'm a woman too. Just because I don't look like that or I don't look like this doesn't mean I'm not beautiful. I'm a woman too and I'm beautiful. Even though, uh, and and think about it, white women have to fight against that if they don't have blonde hair and blue eyes, but they have the light skin. I have none of those things. What if I have none of those things? The fight is even more intense for me to see myself as beautiful if these are the images that are portrayed in front of my face constantly. Yeah. And, you know, I think this is something so important for everyone to be able to look at. And, you know, I'm sitting here facing my beautiful friend and I was born with white skin 
And so I have privileges that were given to me, not because of my choice, it's because my skin's white. And if we don't understand that as human beings, especially as white, light-skinned human beings, you know, we're really, we're just missing out on all kinds of opportunities for connection and understanding. And I love the way that you wrap this into this whole sexuality thing, because even in that first quote that I gave, it, it was, you know, it was in the context of these young people going out on a date. Mm-hmm. And so how is this going to impact their, you know, initial girl understanding about sexuality and what it means to be loved by another person and this inherent sense of unworthiness that I'm not worth it. You know, maybe getting flowers from somebody is something I shouldn't expect. And I love something else you said in the book, and I don't have the page open to read it, but she, <laughs> you're so funny. She said, you know, my husband just buys me flowers for no reason other than the flowers he gave me last week have just died. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and you know what? And, so and just to be fair, sometimes my flowers come in different forms. Yes. Sometimes my flowers are a pint of ice cream that he can hide in the back of the refrigerator and the kids won't eat or they don't find. Or sometimes my flowers are chocolate covered almonds. My thing is find your flowers and require that they are given to you. Yeah. And you use some beautiful language that is very strong. And I love it because I'm a strong woman and you are a strong woman. And you use words like demand and require. And many of us as women are not comfortable using that kind of language. But why can't we say, I demand this. I deserve this. Mm -hmm. I require this. Now, you and I have both been divorced. Mm -hmm. And so we've been in situations where I would venture to say we were not getting what we needed. But, you know, so coming back to, you know, there's something in my mind that's tying this together and you're going to have to help me tie it together Mm because I've got a sense of it. I can't quite put it together. There's this, um, you know, there's this this lack of worthiness that we have and we all share it. So we'll just start with that common ground. And we're all agreeing. I hope everyone listening is agreeing because for sure it's true that that lack of worthiness is really accelerated when you're in a minority group and cultures telling you that you're not good enough on top of your own telling yourself you're not good enough. And then we're telling our children the same kind of things. You, you know, how does this tie together? Because, to, you know, I started by introducing you as one of the original gangsters of the sexually woke. I mean, this woman is sexually woke. She's as woke as you can get. <laughs> and so how did you do that with all of these things that seem to be walls preventing you from getting there. I mean, you've got 10 reasons that I can think of why you should not be happy. Right. I mean, I would be satisfied. Yeah. All of those things. Content. Right. It's a decision. Yeah. And the other day we were talking about something in the news, Christelle and I were talking and I'm like, how do you not get so fucking angry? (laughs) I'm so angry. those are your words. That's exactly what you text me. And I'm I'm just angry. And, um, And you said, you said, no, that wasn't a good idea. And I was, thank you. <laughs> but so, yeah, I mean, I'm struggling with worthiness. And how does that work for you? I mean, to, to listen to me say I'm struggling with worthiness, I would probably say, you know, seriously, you're like a thin white woman. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> g- give me a break. <laughs> yeah. But I think um, the, the key is to say to yourself, my heart is not on my sleeve. My heart is in my chest behind my ribs and I'm going to keep it protected. That really helps because you can focus your mind on, yes, I am angry, but my mind is in control. What do I do to make it better? 
Yeah. So this is where I want to get into the nitty gritty because, you know, we can complain all day and, and we can, and we're not complaining, by the way, we're just trying to sort of, I'm trying to sort of put out where are we, you know, what's going mm -hmm. on, but what can we do to make it better? And Christella suggested something in that quote that I read about just stop. I and mean, we've got to stop teaching our children these same things. Stop telling our girls they're not worthy to get flowers with every date. Mm -hmm. Stop telling our girls they need to have straight hair, blonde hair, blue eyes, a certain body shape. What are we going to do to make this better? Uh, how can we all wake up? I think what we have to focus on is, is recognize the truth. The truth is this is where we are. We know where we are and we know where we want to be. So how do we do that? We teach our kids, hey, let's sing a new song. I am beautiful. I am worthy. Stop listening to, to all of the, the Instagram models who use filters <laughs> and stop listening to the, the magazines, the media. Stop listening. Stop listening to that song. Sing in your head, I am beautiful. Because uh, growing up, I heard so many negative things about myself that I started to believe them. And you don't want to believe them. You want to sing a new song so you know the words to that song instead of you're not worthy saying I am worthy. I am beautiful. I am amazing. I'm fucking awesome. Why am I listening to you? Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, this is such a great way to live, to understand that. And you call this noise in your head. This is uh, something I picked up from you and I repeated it a lot. That noise in your head, these thoughts that we're repeating are not true. I mean, we don't have to listen to the junk that's going on in our head that was repeated by our mom or from culture, from other our church or other places. If it's not serving us, we can, in Christella's words, sing ourselves a new song. And we've got to use nicer language when we talk to ourselves, exactly. right? Exactly. The language that we use, and I really, I think what happened, and this is just my personal opinion, you can email me or text me or whatever. Like I said, my heart is in my chest, not on my on my sleeve. I really don't care what you think. But uh, the fact is the fact the government got together with the the religion, the church, and they said, how can we control these women? Mm -hmm. They're smarter. They're strong. We need to control them. Well, let's use the Bible and let's turn it around and let's tell them that they're not as strong as we are, that they should be submissive to us. Okay, I understand that you should work alongside your husband and I understand that you you have, you know, commitment to not go against your husband. However, what if he is wrong and I am right? I'm strong. I'm powerful and you cannot suppress me any longer. And now that we know better, we should do better. We know, hey, wait a minute. He may be smart, but I'm smart too. Mm -hmm. There, You cannot control me. You cannot control what I think. You cannot control what I think about myself and you cannot control what I do. Remember when in some cultures, they would, in order to marry you, they had to bring a cow to buy you. Yeah. 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 Now, what, what if a cow is how you, you say that this, oh, well, she's beautiful. I'm going to bring two cows. Well, why can't I get flowers? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This, and that reminds me of something else you said. I have this other quote that I love. Do you, can I read this one? Yes. Okay. So you were talking about, we were, we were discussing at the time, the concept of sex and privilege and yes. about how, um, you know, sexuality and worthiness is different. Um, it just is uh, for people of privilege and those who are minorities. 
And this is what you said. I think for most people, most minorities you were talking about, they've just ruled out happiness. They're like, that's not something I can have or expect. I'm just surviving, and that's all I should expect because I'm not worth it. It's not just African-American culture. It's worldwide culture. In Africa, they circumcise little girls. In parts of India and Afghanistan, they won't let girls go to school. It's the culture in so many countries that women don't deserve happiness. We're here to serve another purpose. We're not here to feel pleasure. We're just here to serve and reproduce. You're not to grow. You're not to learn. You're not to do anything. You're here for the pleasure of men, and they can mistreat you. And there's a certain way you should look. I'm the product of two biracial parents. My hair is super, super curly. I used to flat iron my hair because I was told that's what's sexy. I would plan my workouts around my hair. When I had sex, I had to be on top so I didn't mess it up. I'm done with that now. I mean it. It was exhausting. Now I'm like, this is my hair. Take it or leave it. That's right. If you don't like it, then yeah, my world continues to turn. I don't care. Yeah, if it's so this is that paragraph is a lot of transformation. This isn't where you started from. No, no. Right? And so what I'm seeing in that is this recognition that somehow you learned and I want to hear the story, like how you how you transformed yourself because um you and I have shared and you mentioned you didn't mind me sharing that you mm-hmm. came from a background of, of sexual abuse and just all kinds of horrible reasons to believe that you're not worthy than being a woman of color and, you know, mentioning all these things that happen to women in other countries, we kind of think it's just something that happens over there. Or a lot of us do. We're like, oh yeah, they mistreat women in Afghanistan. They mistreat women in in uh, sub-Saharan Africa. But, you know, they're doing it right here. Right here. Right mm-hmm. here in America, right next door, you right. know, or right in our neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. What, are, what are we doing? Why can't we, we see that this is not the way to treat a woman? A woman should be revered and treasured. I should not take this kind of treatment, and I, I should teach my daughters that this is how I should be treated. Now, there's a lot in a lot in what you just said. So let's go back to uh, all of the women being mistreated all over the world. Like, for example, in Trinidad. In Trinidad, they embrace their Indian culture, but some of them will not embrace their African culture. And that goes back to what? People saying that blonde hair, blue eyes, light is better. So the Indian culture is lighter, so let's embrace that. The African culture, let's pretend like it didn't happen. But we're from Trinidad. In Trinidad, it's on the way to the slave trade. There are African descendants there in South America. In South America, we have, the, of course, the slave trade stopped there. A lot of them will pretend like they don't have a lot of African people in their in their family. They have African ancestors. But the the government has tried to suppress Africans by telling them that they're not beautiful. And how did they do that? By enslaving them. They enslave them. So what do I do? I have to ignore the fact that you think I'm not beautiful and ignore all the things that you said. And I have to embrace that I am beautiful. I am a mixture of all those things. My mother was uh, a descendant of Native American. So my grandfather was born on an Indian reserve. He was born on the reserve. So my father is biracial. He actually, on the census in 1939, he was considered an M, which is mulatto. So I have 
European in me. I have African in me. I have Native American in me, the indigenous people. So I embrace all of these. So I'm not going to say that not one part of me is unattractive. And that's when I found out that I have all of this in me. I decided that I am going to embrace everything that I am and I'm going to love everything that I am because I see someone looking at me and telling me, oh, well, you're lesser than because you're dark. When I'm thinking, I'm probably more American than you. How do you do that? So when when you tell these stories, I, I just have, I don't know, I just have like heaviness in my chest. I cannot imagine what that must feel like to have, you know, this whole culture set up to sort of systematically, well, not sort of, to like yes, systematically exactly. tell you you're not as good as the standard, which is white, you know, straight hair, male. You know, even any exactly. woman is a minority. You know, we're all treatment of minorities, but we're, you're, you know, ramping up the level. Yet somehow you're in this very small group of the sexually woke. So I want to know if, if you can even remember, how do you get from being a child of color, not a privilege of any sort, who's being sexually abused, all of the other things that happen that you and I know about um, to get to where you are now in life? And have such an amazing self-awareness and level of confidence with yourself. And then in the context of the book and this podcast, I really believe that all of that is what translates into being confident to be a, a sexy woman, too, because it starts with knowing yourself and loving yourself. How does that happen? Because there's, I can't imagine how that would happen. I would be in my bedroom with the covers over my head. I believe in manifestation. I saw myself as doing better and being better. I was determined to get my degree. I was determined to do better and be better. So I did it. I saw it in my mind, and then I did the action to make it happen. That's all it was. It wasn't very complicated. Were there days where I said, you know what? This is hard. I'm sad. This is where I came from. I'm not going to do it anymore. Eh, some days, yes, because <laughs> I'm a human being. And what you have to do is you have to fight against that and still see what you want, whether it's a, a new house, a new husband, or uh, the child that you could not conceive. Whatever it is, you have to fight and you have to get it. Do the work, see it in your mind, make it happen. You know, what you're saying reminds me so much about a podcast I did a few weeks ago with Meg Ellis called How to Get What You Want. So, yep, if you, those of you listening, if you haven't heard that, some women, Meg Ellis and then Christella from completely different backgrounds, came up with the same way of being, which I think is fascinating. And we could all learn from it. And what I heard you saying was some version of, you know, deciding what you want, committing to it, believing that it's possible, and then making it happen. You know, I worry sometimes that most women don't have the belief in themselves to do that. I mean, so there's women like you and me and Meg who've made these bold, big moves, and we've given up a lot of things, and we've pissed a lot of people off. And, yep. But how do you do this if you're a little bit less sure? I don't know. I, I just, I don't, I want everyone to be able to do this, but I'm not sure what the recipe is. Everyone is different, I believe. I believe everyone is different. For me, I didn't know what it was back then. I just knew what I, I wanted better. I want better. And I started off with something small, like my, my degree. Then I started off with something larger, like a relationship. Then I started off with something larger, a child. Then I started off with some. 
you have to make your own path. You have to stop singing the song, of course. I think what prevents a lot of women from getting there is, but I can't. That's the bad, that's the song, the bad song. I can't. It's never going to happen. You're putting out that negative energy into the world and your world will respond to the negative energy and then it won't happen. Yeah, I, I, this is, I think that's the key, really. If we could narrow it down to one thing, it's just that we've got to stop believing those negative thoughts. And if I can, I want to read this. Sex. I love this idea of the different song that you've mentioned. And um, I put this in the book. So Christella said, I used to say to myself, I hate you. You're so stupid when I did something wrong or if I hurt someone's feelings. I had to reprogram myself. There's a song, the noise in your head, but you have to play a different song. I love you. I love you. I love you. Once I started playing a different song, I had to stop saying those words and even stop thinking them. Instead of you're so stupid, I played a new song. I've made a mistake, but I'm a good person and I love myself unconditionally and I am forgiven. I forgive myself. If I tell myself something positive like that, which is the truth, it's loving, then positive people will gravitate towards me. I'll have more positive people in my life. And I realized I was responsible for that mess. And I love that part. Maybe I didn't start it, but I kept it going by believing it. And only I can get myself out of it. I just think that's that's so important. Uh, you know, when I work in the coaching world, one of the keys of my coaching practice is this taking 100% responsibility, which is so hard to do because it's so much easier, especially for someone who's in a minority, I think, to live in a place of blame where it's like, okay, the world is happening to me. Because in a way, it's true. That's a, that's a pretty easy story to believe. The world, this is all, all this shit is happening to me. And so I'm going to be a victim and they're a villain and I'm a victim. But at some point we've got to stop. And oh, just, we're still victims, but we're yeah. victims of the system. Oh, yeah. But you cannot sing that song where things cannot change. Yeah. So I want to just clarify, I'm not suggesting that people have not been victimized at yes. all. But what I'm suggesting is taking ourselves out of the role of the world is happening to me and shifting it around the way you described to taking responsibility to say, I can have the world happen by me instead of to me. That's what I mean, sort of shifting out of that victim mentality. But for sure, you've been victimized. I have too. I've lived through emotional and physical abuse and, you know, we have been victimized. So I think that's a really interesting point um, that, yes, we all of us, let's face it, as women, women have been victimized yes. in some way, some much more than others. But that doesn't mean that it just doesn't help us to live in a victim mentality where, and that way we give up our responsibility for ourselves. You know, and I just think that was so beautiful what you said. Maybe I didn't start it, but I kept it going by believing it. And, and there's such a huge element of forgiveness in that, um, which isn't the same as letting people off the hook or saying what they did was okay or any of those things. But forgiveness to me is just saying, I don't want to carry this anger anymore. It doesn't mean the person didn't do something terrible or the society or the all the things that happened. Um, it's just a point that I have of saying, you know, yes, all that shit happened, but I don't want to carry that anger anymore. Is that how it works for you? Yes, it happened. Yes, it happened to me. Yes, I am the victim of what happened, but 
I am not going to hold on to it anymore. I'm going to put the positive energy into the universe. I'm going to think positive thoughts and I'm going to move forward and I'm going to have everything that I deserve. And right now, I think I have everything I deserve. I'm very happy. I have a beautiful husband, beautiful relationship, two amazing kids. My household is full of love and laughter. I live in in a great house, in a golf course community. And who would think that a girl like me who grew up the way I did with an abusive household would have all of this? And it's because I dreamed it would happen and I did the work. And that's Mm. the key. Dream it will happen and then do the work. Yeah. Well, that's, that about sums it up right there. You know, and what you're saying is so powerful. And these are these are big, hard topics, you know. And often we don't want to talk about big, hard topics, you know. But I think unless we start talking about it as women, as a community, and we do this in our women's circles, and Christelle is often at our women's circles. It's always most fun when she's there, by the way, you know. But what you were saying earlier, um, as far as and I totally agree with you that we've been systematically – Mm-hmm. suppressed mm-hmm. because for sure um, people in power don't want women to come together and and become powerful as a group. This idea that we're somehow in competition with each other, and we were talking about that at our last women's circle, that I don't want to support other women or especially, you know, white women don't want to support black women or however it works. I don't want to support the woman next to me in the office because I'm there's only one position and, you know, it's this whole scarcity mentality. But as much as we can share our stories like what we're doing today, I think that just starts to break that down because we do need to come together as women so that we can own our power, right? And I just think that's so beautiful that you're allowing this conversation to happen. And and you and I come from completely different backgrounds, but we're all women. I think what has happened is that they have put us against each other. White men get paid more. White women get paid more than black women, but black women get paid more than black men. So what have they done? They've Mm -hmm. separated all of us and they're still in power. Now it's like, okay, if the white women would get with the women of color and we would all stand together and go, wait a minute, we're doing the same work as him. If not more, why am I getting paid less? The women would be in power, and that's not something they want. Now, don't tell me I'm man bashing because I'm not. I'm just stating facts. Look it up. Who gets paid more? Yeah, I think, and I think it's okay to to challenge things that don't seem right. I mean, and we have to do that. Women, you know, we've been taught, I was taught to be quiet. It's not pretty or feminine or any of those things to be opinionated and uh, goodness knows that didn't work very well for me. No. I was uh, <laughs> fired a couple of times from jobs early on and, 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 you know, sent to the principal's office more than once because something in me just wasn't able to keep quiet in the face of something that I knew was wrong. And I think, I mean, some of that's a personality type. We don't all have that. I thank God we don't all have that because <laughs> it's beautiful to be quiet and sweet as well. But at some point, we've got to be able to talk about these difficult things. You're, you know, so you're part of the sexually woke. So sort of coming yes. back to that and everything about this book and about this podcast is about worthiness in some way or another. That's probably the thread that ties it all together, the sense yes. of worthiness. So 
can I can we talk about your sex life? Yes, for a little let's bit? do it. I was waiting for that. So let's talk about <laughs> sex, baby. Um, yes, I love that you wrote this book because uh, I often feel like I'm in a place where I'm the only one talking about sex. So to find you is like you're a gift from God. So <laughs> yes, let's talk about sex. The 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 fact that they have suppressed women and tried to make us feel bad about talking about sex. It's bad. Mm. That's naughty. You're a harlot. Dirty. Yeah. You're dirty. You're a harlot if you talk about sex. No. Or even in some cultures, they'll cut your clitoris off. Yes, they will. Right. I mean, this is still happening. You know, I worked in Sierra Leone for many years for up until recently, and 95% of young girls are still having a complete clitoral resection when they're under 10 years old. That's how much sexuality is not allowed in some cultures. And, and we're, we might think we're totally different over Mm-mm. here, but it's just on the same spectrum. Just obviously, we all know that's terrible, but it's a spectrum, right? And we still are not perfect. So, no. so how, how did, yeah, so let's talk more about your sex life. So you taught me a lot, by the way. <laughs> um, I'm not sure that's a good thing, but yeah. okay. No, no, it was really good. <laughs> okay. Thank you. <laughs> But yes, yeah, so going back to what you were saying, so in as much as women are suppressed in sexualities, something that we're supposed to think is dirty or not to be open with it, or how does that play into what you've learned? What I've learned is is that um, if men can say it, why can't I? If you can say it, why can't I? I'm important. I have a voice just like you. I'm a person just like you. Now, if you may physically be larger or more in control during sex, but I deserve pleasure too. And I had to learn, this is what I like, this is what I don't like, and I'm going to demand what I do like because I deserve to be pleasured too. Just like you and a lot of women, poor things, that some of them have not even had an orgasm yet or don't even know that your clitoris is... That's the orgasm right there. Let's let's make that happen. And before you get yours, we're going to make sure I get mine because you might fall asleep afterwards. And even if you do fall asleep, I have toys. It's not, not a big deal. <laughs> well, a lot of us are still not even taught. Well, let's just say almost all of us are not even taught about the clitoris. We don't even know our own anatomy. Yeah. Uh, and I'm talking about women, not just my age, I'm 54, but even girls who are 20. I mean, this is still happening where we don't know the parts of our own body that are that are put there for pleasure. So I could go all conspiracy theory. I do think some of this is true. There, there's a, you know, there's sort of old way of thinking where, and I'll be very sexist. We can do that. It's a sexually woke podcast. The traditional, you know, man would have sort of the wife who maybe wasn't interested in sex, but she was never going to leave him. And then this other type of woman who would be more of like the harlot, hooker, whore, whatever, mm-hmm. they don't want women to be like that because they might leave you. Because, I mean, look at us. We both left our first husband. Yes. <laughs> I mean, when you start waking up, sometimes you start leaving. You start making some choices Different that decisions. they won't like. And right. like I said, it's it's a form of control. Yeah. The, the the church wanted to control us. Religion wanted to control us as well as government. And they got together and that's what they have done. And we've allowed it for so long. Let's stand up and say, no, I, I want pleasure. I want an orgasm. Hey, what's this clitoris business? Let's 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 find out. Let's go ahead and, and figure this out. I deserve to live a, an amazing life. And I think there is something in that thoughts came to me. So mm-hmm. forgive me if it's not fully formed. I think there really is still something in that where... I'm going to use a bunch of stereotypes, so don't 
you can you can text me if you want to and complain, but I'm going to just do it. <laughs> like the soccer mom type, you know, suburban housewife is not going to be, you know, flaunting her sexuality. That's a, a relationship that, you know, you want to keep that pretty quiet. The women who are sort of the harlot, whore, sexy, you know, they're not the suburban housewife types. They're different. So there's sort of this homemaker and a homebreaker type of stereotype, right? But why can't the soccer mom women be sexy? Why can't we talk about sex and and, and the women who are have kids and at PTA meetings and and on church committees and all of the things that we do? In society, why can't we talk about sex? I, I really think there's something in that where that's something that those other women do. And so we, we're not comfortable with talking about how to give ourselves an orgasm or, you know, because that's what other women do. Those are the slutty women, the, the whores, the divorced like, women, the, you know, the, the yes. ones we don't want to catch that divorce juice. Control. It's, right. it's how they try to control us. If, if we start figuring out, hey, this is what I want. This is what I can get. We're doing it in the bedroom, and then we're doing it in the boardroom, and they didn't want it. So that's just my opinion. Take well, it or leave it. I do see that, though, that women who are sexually woke are much more powerful in all areas of their lives. So, I mean, the you know, this whole conversation about sex, is it's not just about sex. In fact, this book is it's more of a spiritual book, I think, than anything. Because, you know, when you wake up, to your full self, which includes your sexuality, you are going to be much more effective at work and you're going to be more effective with your children and with your partner. And you're probably going to change some things. So, you know, not that all of the sexually white women were divorced, but some of them were. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then some of them had learned to renegotiate an old relationship, but for sure there was a lot of change going on. It was like, a okay, we're going to change some stuff and do some things differently. And, and I think people are scared of that. I mean, there's a fear of waking up because when we wake up, we're going to want to do things differently. And change isn't always well accepted because it's scary. We're creatures of habit and we don't like we don't like it when you change something because it may not be to our benefit. So, yes, that is exactly what what it is. They don't want us to change. They don't want us to talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's be happy. We're not going to be happy if we don't at least start the conversation. Just like we start the conversation about race and white privilege, nothing's going to change until we talk about it. As women, if we don't start the conversation about how to be sexually happy, then we're not going to get there. We need to get all the information that we can. Hormone therapy, menopause. If we don't find out these things or do the research, then how can we get the information we need in order to be happy. Yeah, and uh, you're such a great example of that. And actually, like I've already said, like taught me a lot of things too about just being assertive. And I, I love this idea of just being able to say, I deserve this or even I demand this and not to sort of be like, oh, I feel uncomfortable with, I feel uncomfortable with demanding things. That sounds, that doesn't sound very feminine. Maybe I should say something more yeah. feminine, but no, like just... I demand this. It's a boundary thing. Like, I need this, and I'm going to get it, and I'd like you to give it to me, but if you don't, I'll find somebody else. And, and that that's not a very popular way of talking. No, and if you say it, you're a bitch. Right. If I say it, I'm an angry black woman. And that's, that's true. That's yeah. the stereotype that they have given mm-hmm. us, and it's wrong, mm-hmm. and we need to stand up and say no. 
Well, and people don't want to be called those names, so they don't want to put themselves in a position where they'll be thought of that way. I think many people are just too scared because they don't want to be called those names. But at some point, we just have to stand in our own shoes. And like you said, just, you know, and I love what you said, and I sort of agree. I'm just going to say what I think, and I don't care what you think. Of course, I care. You know, I want, we all want to be. aren't you sweet? I don't. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) She really doesn't. No. (laughs) You're so cute. No. No. Maybe. So I, I so let me dig into that a little bit. I care a little bit because I do want to remain connected. I like having friends and good relationships, but I, I don't mind if people move away from me if they don't agree with me. That's okay because you know we've got to live in our own authenticity, and I want to keep things around me that are here to serve me, and those that are not, I want them to move away. So if that's a person and they will move away, well, that that's great. But yeah, I mean, at some point we have to stop caring what other people think and just say our truth. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't care what you think doesn't mean that I don't respect the of opinions of those who love and care for me. I respect the opinions of those who love and care for me because we can communicate and we respectfully disagree. And I think that in the past four years, four to five, six years, there hasn't been, especially in politics, a way to respectfully disagree. There has been a lot of name calling and no respectful speech. And in my circle of friends, we have respectful speech. Yeah. And it, I, I think this is such a good point because the, and I'm still thinking about the, I don't care what you think idea, which I think is really important. There's a certain point where if we're not telling the truth because we're trying to manipulate someone else's opinion of us, that's just a little tiny skate away from lying. I mean, it, it, we're not telling the truth. I mean, we, we've, we've got to stop not telling the truth to manipulate other people's opinions. And that's sort of what I think we're getting at with I don't care what you think. If I tell the truth, your opinion is what it is, and I'm not going to manipulate my truth because I want you to like me or I want something from you. That's sort of, sort of not where we're heading with this um, conversation. It's just telling the truth. And then all of this, I just find this so interesting because when you start telling the truth and you start showing up as yourself and you start loving yourself, I've universally seen, and you're a really great example, you start getting really sexy. So why, 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 what's the connection there? Confidence is sexy. Are you kidding me? I love myself and I'm in love with myself. I would fuck me. So if that's how I feel about me, then yes, people gravitate to you. Yeah. It it is what it is. Yeah. It's positive energy. That is. It it is. Um, And we know that there's certain people that were around and there's this image of what sexy might look like right in a magazine. But if you saw that person, they're often emanating a very negative energy or aversive energy. And they don't seem warm and fuzzy or sexy at all. They seem kind of, they don't always really want to go near that person. But when I'm around someone like Christella, like you just want to give her a big hug and be all in her business because she's got this, <laughs> this energy. And I, I was joking the other day with someone um, and I said, you know, if you if you look like a 54-year-old version of Lizzo and you acted like Lizzo, everybody would think you're red hot sexy because I don't know anyone who doesn't think that Lizzo's sexy. She's just sexy. Oh, my gosh, she is. I'm so, so in love with her. I wouldn't kick her out too. of bed. No, I, <laughs> but so it's not, it's not about how you look. It's not about how much you weigh. It's not about the color of your skin. It's about confidence. And that's I think that's how it ties together that this— 
when you start telling the truth and showing up as your authentic self and just saying things like, even in your own head, I really don't care what you think. I'm just going to be myself. We all of a sudden start emanating this super sexy energy and people start thinking we're sexy. And, and then we start having better orgasms and better relationships. And this actually happens. I'm not making it up. It happened to me. Happened to you, Christella, and the other yep. women in the book. Yep, most definitely. So I think this is sort of where the digging into the good stuff is in, in your last few minutes, because I'm. We could talk for hours, and maybe we have to come back and do it again. Mm-hmm. But you know, and maybe we've sort of got down to the kernel of it right there. But you know, this, this is such a huge story with your life and how you got to be where you are now that I just find it kind of overwhelming to tell you the truth. But what what is it like? Maybe we touched on it just then. But what is it that makes you who you are that you could offer to somebody else that could possibly be sitting at home thinking, I can't do that. I can't, I can't do that. She's got something I don't or. No, I'm, I'm just like everyone else. What I had to learn first is I had to fall in love with myself first. Mm-hmm. I, there is no one who is more in love with me. Maybe my husband, I don't know, but there's no one more in love with me than me. When I started enjoying reading a book alone, going to dinner alone, going to the movies alone, I never got hit on so much. And I had, I was taking a hiatus. I was cleansing myself of of men at the time. I wanted to go through a period where I just, I don't want, I don't want anyone in my space. When I fell in love with myself, that's when everyone else started to come and I could pick and choose who I wanted because I was in love with myself. And they're like, she's so excited. What is she excited about? I want to find out. She's happy. What does she have going on? I recommend that to anyone who is, is maybe you're not happy with your current situation or your current relationship, or maybe you're looking for that relationship. Fall in love with yourself first. Mm. That's such beautiful advice. And couldn't we all just do that, please? And the world would be a better place. Well, I just want to thank you so much for joining me. I, you know, those of you who, if you were sitting in the studio with us, this woman like literally exudes positive energy everywhere. So thank you. It just makes me happy being around you. And um, I hope you can pick up some of that just in the audio that you're hearing that you can do this too. You know, we are not special magical angels who were given incredible gifts we're just regular people yep and we're living our best lives and we want that for you too so if you haven't read the book sexually woke you can read all kinds of other things that she said because she's quoted all over the book (laughs) and uh thank you so much for giving such great amazing material to make this beautiful book and thanks for sharing it's been an honor thank you for having me yeah it's always a pleasure always always